Hey, this is Ari Spears, and you're listening to the Bada Bing. Pota Bing. Pota Bing. There we go. Yes. How you doing? This is Ari Spears, and you're listening to the Pota Bing. Forget about it. You are listening to Pot of Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. Uh, doing something a little different today. I'm in studio with Ari Spears, who is a comic, a Los Angeles-based comic. We're going to hear his story, but he also is a super Sopranos fan. So welcome. Thank you. How's it going? Thanks for coming in the rain. I, like literally, it was like seventy degrees outside and sunny, and yeah. then as soon as you pulled up, it started raining. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was actually um, in my theater room, rocking and rolling on my PS4. Okay. Uh, what were you playing? I was playing a little bit of uh, Madden and some NBA 2K as well. You're playing Madden post like postseason. Do you play online? I, I do. I, I basically play online. Do you dominate? I'm not as good as I'd like to be. Okay. What, what drives me nuts is I'm better at football than I am basketball, and I'm not a football dude. I'm a basketball guy. Okay. I'm pretty okay at the at the football, but I suck at basketball, uh, and I want to be better at basketball. Esports is like a real thing now, man. Like, yeah, it's it's. Uh, listen, I know we we gonna touch upon it, uh, and, and we kind of you know asked each other our ages when I got here, but yeah. Um, you know, I come from that era where I've seen the evolution of all of this technology wise yeah. video games and cell phones and cable television and movies and technology and CGI. So for me, it's, it's mind blowing because I'm, I was there before it all started, you know? Yeah, no, I played, uh, I, I have two small kids now, like I told you off mic and I wish I had more time. Madden, I, I what I used to do, what I loved about Madden was the drafts. Yeah. The, the, like doing like doing fantasy drafts. And See, I like, don't get that geeky with it. Yeah, I get, I, 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 I you know, I don't want to call you geeky, but yeah. I, I just, I don't get that geeky with yeah, it. Yeah, you just play. Yeah, I just play. I'm geeky when it comes to pornography. <laughs> yeah. You've got your sights. I don't even have my sights. I just, I just know who I'm supposed to know. Okay. You, know you actually I mean? you actually know names. Yes, I hosted the AVN Awards last year. Amazing. Uh, so that was like being a kid in a candy store and made me realize how much I got to hug my daughter. Let's get biographical for a second. Okay. Tell me your story. Yeah. What came first, being a comic or acting? And eventually I want to get to hear about how the Jerry Maguire thing happened. Yeah. And then we'll bring it into uh, when Sopranos came into your life. Yes. So um, set the stage for us a little bit. Okay, I started doing comedy when I was 14 years old. Okay. Uh, Born in 75, I was an 80s baby. So California? I, I, yes. No, no, uh, New York. Okay. Um, Hell's Kitchen. And, um, you know, watching Eddie Murphy on SNL, he, he was the inspiration for me. He was my era. Yeah. Before that, Richard Pryor was the 70s, so that's my dad er, dad's era. A little bit before that, it's Red Fox. So the further and further you go back, you know, Eddie was my era. Um and, you know, he, we, I did my research, you know, we have the same birthday, same astrological sign. Really? So, yeah, so I took that as... as um, a sign. Uh, Aries, April 3rd. No, but you took it as a sign. Oh, yeah, as a sign that, that, that uh, you know, if he could do it, I could do it. And, and, and you know, look, Eddie Murphy is everybody's icon. Um, but I, I, because, you know, the impressions and the characters on SNL, I took that to heart. And because I did impressions, I just looked, I used all of that as fuel to go... Let me go on that path and start doing comedy at 14. Made my debut on Def Comedy Jam when I was 16 with Martin Lawrence. Y'all can look that up um, on YouTube. Uh, Showtime at the Apollo, the legendary Showtime at the Apollo. Apollo Theater in Harlem when I was 17. Cut to, I moved to California when I was uh, 19. Why? Because uh, I was trying to pursue the business. You know, okay. people always ask me, how you make it in Hollywood? Well, you can't live in Kansas and try to make but it you in Hollywood in the, from but, Kansas. But you were in the city. I was in the city, but for stand-up, New York is great for stage performances, stand-up, Broadway plays. But if you really want to make some room in the business, TV and movie, you, you got to go to where the business is. You can't win the game sitting on the bench. You got to get in the game. So I moved out to L.A., um, Do you have an SNL story? Did you ever try to get I on that didn't, show? I didn't. Um, I would have loved to, um, but it just never worked out that way. I ended okay. up getting mad TV first. Okay. And, you know, back in those days when I first came out to L.A. in the early 90s, I, I came out in 93, um, television networks would give holding deals to whoever was hot in town. So they basically would pay you a shitload of money to take you off the market for the year. They don't do that anymore. But at that time, I had signed with every... Uh, network 
and nothing ever happened. So I, I went, I'm, I'm, I made the rounds. I was Hollywood's little hua, as the, as, as Ralph Cifaretto would say, um, from NBC to ABC to CBS. Eventually, my last deal was with Fox, and I had done a, uh, a, a pilot for Aaron Spelling. Okay. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was like the Mod Squad, Crosstown Traffic. Didn't get picked up, but the president of the network was like, "Yo, I love this dude." I don't want you to go to another network. And it just so happened timing-wise, the first year I tried out for Mad TV, I couldn't do it. I was contracted to another network. Um, but by their third season was my last deal at Fox. So they just were like, yo, we wanted you from the beginning. And they put me on, and here I am. Wow. Yeah. And what year did you, quote-unquote, make it? Like, in terms of, like, this was like a career. you weren't. There was no plan B. You're, like, you're in this to win it. Well, if making it means... You don't have a day job? Steady work, yeah. Yeah. uh, I moved out of my mom's house when I was 16. Okay. Uh, I would say by 22. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've been fortunate, I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to minimise the journey between 16 and 22. The journey... But I've talked to a lot of people that have been in your seat that come here to be in the business and they get a small part here or they had a small part in The Sopranos or whatever, but then, like, nothing happens after that or nothing really kind of... This is a scary business, man. Yeah. You know, and and as entertainers, we literally live from check to check. Yeah. It's like we get hired and fired every job. You get booked on a movie, you're hired. When it's over, you're fired. And until you book the next gig... You're in limbo. So uh, I've just been fortunate enough to have stand-up in my bag. Yeah. So I've been doing stand-up for 30 years now. And in between, then, yes, I've had the Mad TV. I've had the Underground with Damon Wayans, a couple movies here and there, some notable, some not. Um, But I've been able to stay afloat. Yeah. You know, the Shaq's All-Star Comedy Jam, the D. Ray Davis, Cedric the Entertainer, Tommy Davidson. uh, All of that's kept me going. Okay. So hopefully I I could still satisfy people and keep it going. I love it. I got to ask selfishly because I'm a big fan of Jerry Maguire. It's one yeah. of the, the formidable movies of my youth, if that makes any right. sense. Like it inspired me to take a lot of paths and to make a lot of, actually the whole thing where right. he walks out of his office and he takes his goldfish and he says, who's coming with me? And he goes down the elevator. I very much did that to start this company. I walked away from a legal career and I said, I'm going to do something different. Right. Uh, I want to create, I want to make stuff. So tell that story. You well, are let me, in Jerry First Maguire. of all, let me commend you because the hardest thing to do and I tell people all the time, you know, you know, with the internet, there's these trolls, and I have, and it used to bother me, and it's, and it's not like it doesn't bother me anymore, but I'm doing better at saying fuck them, because all these people that pass judgment on your career and like to say things like you've fallen off, oh, you, you, you know, your D list. Well, my D list is your never list. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a great it's point. like like the fact that you said, you know what, I'm pursuing my dream. We all have dreams. Yeah. But the fact is most people either don't know how to do it or they're too scared to do it. And that thought of saying, you know what, I'm going to let go of what is secure for something that I can't touch, feel, see, and taste. I'm taking the gamble. I'm rolling the dice. But you have to do that. And the fact that you were able to do it and you're still standing and you're growing, mazel tov, man. I have an amazing wife. I owe it all to her, to be honest with you. You owe some of it to her. Some of it to her. Some of it to you, too. Um, And, uh, no, it's it's really cool. So that movie inspired me, and it stuck with me, and when I found out that we were going to sit down and talk about it, you were in it. Can you tell that story? Yeah, interesting enough, when I first auditioned for it, I actually auditioned for Cuba Gooding's part. No Um, way. Yeah. Rod Tidwell. Rod Tidwell. Show me the money. Show me the money. Um, And the director, Cameron Crowe, said to me, honestly, he goes, dude, you murdered it. But I'm going to be honest with you. This role is big and you're not big enough. You don't have name value. I need bigger, you know, bigger feet to fill these shoes. He'd been in a lot of stuff. At, oh, yeah, to that yeah, point. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but did, he you said, know, I, did you know you were up against someone like him? Like, No, I didn't know who I was up against. But come on. Listen, yeah. Tom Cruise, yeah. the, the, the main co-starring. So I didn't really think I would get it. I was hopeful. Yeah. But the cool thing was Cameron liked what I did so much. He said, look, you can't get the part of Rod, but I'll give you the brother. So I didn't have to audition for the brother. So he just stuck me in there. Um, and listen, man, that, that budget was $50 million. Yeah. I'd never worked on anything of that magnitude. And just to see the aura of and the power of Tom Cruise, $50 million budget, major studio movie release, Sony, it was a kid in a candy store. Have you been on anything like that since? Was that the biggest 
project I, you've been involved I, in in know, terms of I, dollar I, amount? I, I did a, a really small cameo role with Carson Daly on uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. Which was another big budget. Um, I have yet to be in something that big with a pivotal role. Okay. With a, with a gigantic role. I did another movie uh, that was cut down to shit. Um, called Why Do Fools Fall in Love with uh, the Frankie Lyman story. Yeah. Lorenz Tate yeah. played Frankie Lyman. Halle Berry was in that, Vivica Fox. And I played Red Fox. And my scene, which was already short, got cut down to a blink. Um, so that's why as you go through this business, you learn at some point until you get there, you almost want to keep your mouth shut about what you get because it either ends up being cut out completely or being diced down to nothing. I've heard and, that. And you don't want to be embarrassed. You know, I did a movie called Kings with uh, Halle Berry and Daniel Craig. Two Halle Berry name drops. Yeah, huh? yeah, right. By the way, she's she. I was just gonna say she's getting better with age. It is an amazing. Well, thing. you know, black people, we we we, you know, we like leather, baby. You not know, all of them, though, man. Not all of them, but Halle you know. Berry is. I just saw her. She was on. She was on someone's late night show. She was in John Wick. She's the new John oh, Wick. Oh, that's what she's promoting. Yeah, yeah, new John Wick. She looks good. But yeah, man, I, I did that movie too, and it was it was one scene, and it's and it's you know currently available on Hulu and I think uh, Amazon. So you know, you you just keep plugging away and plugging away until you hopefully eventually be where you want to be. Yeah, you know? no, it either happens, uh, it happens when it happens, or it doesn't happen. You yeah, know, you just got to stay. You just got to pl- keep playing the well, game. It, I, I believe it can and will happen, but at some point you also have to create your own avenues. Absolutely. Uh, you do. You do. You can't sit back and wait for somebody to tell you when to eat or how to eat. Yeah. You know, you got you to gotta go fishing yourself. What's your, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. Um, I think you kind of got the sense of that when you came in here. Um, your glasses what, are a dead giveaway. Dead glasses are a dead giveaway. <laughs> uh, what is your business model, like, for, for getting gigs? Like, do you have a booking agent? Well, like, yeah, how does it work? I, uh, yeah, I mean, how I, does the I, business of what you do work? What well, are the yeah, mechanics I, I'm, behind I'm, it? I'm with, I'm with a major agency. Okay. Uh, and I have an agent who I've been with for a long time, a manager who I've been with for even longer. Uh, the company, my management company is called Brillstein Entertainment Partners. Oh, yeah, huge. But this was before, before that, it was uh, Brillstein and Gray. Brillstein Gray, they, they produced The Sopranos. Yes, yes, yeah, no, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Bernie Brillstein and yeah. Brad Gray. Yeah. Uh, and I think both of them have, have passed, so yes. rest in peace. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm with some good companies. Okay. Um, and between what they bring to the table and, again, 30 years, you know, that kind of longevity, um, we do a pretty good job of keeping me out there, you know. How important is the agent? Is the is the representation, in your opinion? Is Man, it, can, it can make or break you. It does, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's the gatekeeper. Not the. I don't know if it's the gatekeeper, but but you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And, and some managers and agents are bigger than others. It's like any anything on any. There's levels to everything. Yeah. So you know, you, you got the bullshit managers and agents, and then you got the big time managers and agents. You got the bullshit publicists, and you got the big time publicists. So it's just. One being with the right people, and but even if you're with a big name, the passion has to be there. And you know, a lot, a lot of this is you know jack off shit. Yeah, you know, they tell you what you want to hear or whatever. But if you get people that are really passionate about what you do and believe in you, uh, and they're a reputable company, it's a win-win. Do you love what you do? I love it when it loves me back. What, you, uh, what does that mean? It means that this business. Um, Will and can fuck you. Um, and I always say it's like if you've ever eaten real crab, not where you go to Red Lobster and they slice the shit open. It's kind of pre-opened, so you just dig in and grab this hunk of sweet meat, the kind where you put the newspaper down and you use the hammer. You got to bang through a lot of shell, which is to say a lot of bullshit, for that, mm, my God, mm, for that teeny tiny piece of sweet meat. But it's so goddamn delicious you put yourself through what you got to put yourself through. Um, now, once you reach elite level, Will Smith, Denzel, Pacino, the, the big time, well, then you get in Alaskan king crab and there's no shell. It's all been, the meat's been taken out already, you know? So I got a love-hate relationship because sometimes I feel like it loves me and other times I know it can't stand me. Uh, so it's bittersweet. Do you see yourself doing anything else? Like God, God, no, because like if, if you could talk, like talk to your twenty-two-year-old self for a minute. Listen, man, uh, fantasy-wise, and this is coming off the black stereotype. Uh, if I could play basketball or had a big dick, I'll take porn star and NBA player. 
If I, I might even be lucky to have them both. Who's your team? I don't have a team. I have a what? guy. You have a guy? Let My me guess. guy was, go ahead. Oh, is he currently playing? You said, you said no, was. No, no, no. Kobe. Mike Jordan. Oh, come on. That's a, a given. I'm a Jordan groupie. That's a given. I mean, I don't know if it's a given because this generation. Hey, is Steph Curry in the conversation now? Not for me. Uh, he might be in the sense in terms of what he does. Uh, you can't deny his greatness. I'm talking about GOAT but conversation. But for me, um, no, I don't think so. After this series that he just did without KD? It ain't over yet. Hey, if you're KD, do you come back or do you sit the season out? Because I would come back if I want it. Why would you leave a good thing? No, no, no. I'm talking about, like, does he come back oh, and play in this, this series. finals, in the NBA finals, or does he sit it out? Because what if, what if he what underperforms? If it, yeah. What if he fucks it up? What um, if he fucks up the chemistry? What do you do if you're him? I don't think he would fuck up the chemistry because there already was a chemistry uh, once he was, when he was implemented. Now, they're just going back to who they were before him. They ain't missing a beat. With him, they get better. Without him, they still damn good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a Jordan groupie, man. Okay. Uh, I always said Jordan is the one athlete my bitch could sleep with, and I wouldn't get upset as long as she brought back something signed. You just can't get a pussy away for free. There's a couple of people that are just sort of like in a leg in a league of their own that are untouchable. Jordan's obviously one of them. I feel like Tiger, with this recent Masters, has elevated yeah, I mean, to that he, level he, too. He, he's still iconic in terms of what he has done. Like way more than yeah. like Kobe, way more than LeBron. Like well, LeBron it, but, is awesome. But, but, I'm but a LeBron it, groupie, by but, the way. But it feels like um, Kobe's gotten lost in the shuffle since the LeBron hype. You know, people are, are, are prisoners of the moment. And I'm not saying LeBron ain't the shit, because he is. But when I hear this ridiculous talk that he's better than MJ, I don't even know if he's as good, but better than MJ? The fuck out of here. No. Uh, what is it? Uh, six and oh beats three and six, don't it? Yeah. Well, no, I think Tom Brady changed that calculus when he got to so many Super Bowls. Yeah. You don't have to win them all. You have to, like, like not. Well, you don't and, have to win them all, but you got to win enough. You got to win enough. You, yeah. So six is the number. Right? Yeah, six he set is the, the standard. He set the standard. And I don't want to hear about motherfucking Bill Russell. Bill Russell no, played no, at a I'm time. Talking about, I know, but I'm saying for the people out there, because yeah. I have these arguments on social media, and when people bring this up, I have to def defuse this. Uh, Bill Russell, with all due respect, one of the greatest ever, hat tipper, I, I acknowledge. But he played at a time when only three niggas was allowed to play in the game. And Larry Bird himself said, the black players are the best players. So if you can't have the best in there, you can't say he's the best when he didn't compete against the best. Come on, man. I also just recently learned that the Bill Russell era, they got to like eight or nine straight finals or something because the, the, the talk but, was... But, he, he, no, they, but they had to go through one round to get to the finals. There was no uh, uh, first round. There was no oh, well, semifinal. Even, even, no, even more to my point. Yeah. It was easier too. It was much easier. So to be a seven-foot nigga with, you know, uh, four, two, four two midgets, white guys, yeah. come on, man. It's yeah. no contest. Um, I am the ultimate LeBron guy because of what he did in that 3-1 comeback against the Warriors. But the, I, I kind of like converted. You wanna, okay. I'm, a jo I'm a Jordan guy. I always am. You I grew about to up hit in me with a butt? No, no, no. Oh. But, yeah, yeah, but but what what Steph just did in this series, right? In these last these the the Rocket series, how he closed them out, yeah, and how he swept what was considered the best backcourt besides Splash Brothers. Right. In the fashion that he did it with a triple-double in OT, I started to slide over room on my mantelpiece mm -hmm. for— uh, started to slide LeBron over a little bit to allow room for Steph Curry. All right, now here's where I'm going to stop you. Like Jordan, when they won 72-10, and 10, yeah. when they got that record, when they made that record, yeah. their motto was, it don't mean a thing without the ring. Right. So despite what Curry has done— if they don't win it this year, yeah. because that boy Giannis stops them, all that means nothing. Giannis is down. They're, they're two, it's 2-2 two, two that series now. Yeah, but they're going to be all right. All and right. they got two, two, the next two out of three are in, my, are in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. So they're going to get that. They got to get game five. They got to get game I, five. I think they're going to get it. I think they're going to get it. He had that look in his eye when he went with his left hand and he banged on everybody. Yeah. And then he gave that little scream. Yeah. thought the game was over so yesterday. So let me ask you. But they lost. Do you think... LeBron is better than MJ. Listen, uh, MJ first, okay? MJ is the GOAT. MJ is like my okay. Joe Montana. What I will say, though, is there's enough room at the top for, like, he, he he's not going to be there forever. 
He is there right now. Who, Jordan? Jordan. Well, he's on the Mount Rushmore. He's on the Mount Rushmore for sure. And I would say that LeBron is on the Mount Rushmore. I don't know about that. You disagree yet. with that? If you got to so talk, who's about your Mount Rushmore? Do your Mount Rushmore, Michael right Jordan, now. Magic Johnson. See, I bump Magic for who? Steph Curry. Get the fuck out of here! I'm serious. Five championships, for five straight greatest finals. point guard of a, that, that. Don't matter. I got the rings count. The yeah. rings count. How many rings he had? Five. Magic's got five. Steph's about to get his fourth. Magic, Michael, Larry Bird, uh, and this fourth piece. I would either say Kobe, and I feel like I'm supposed to give it to one of the older heads. No, Kareem, no, Russell. You it, it's your four. Uh, I got to say damn near Kobe, man. And this is why I say Kobe's got five rings. Yeah. LeBron's got three. Yeah. When did LeBron surpass Kobe? When? When? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at it from a very specific lens of rings, okay? You have o- to. Overall game. Overall game, there's an argument to be made that LeBron is. Let me tell you something. Defense. Game, game is Kobe could play defense. One of the best percentages. Listen, game on the line to win it all. Who who you want, Kobe or LeBron? LeBron has shrunken in many a big moment. Remember that? Kobe's remember like Jordan. Game? He remember, puts his dick on the table. Do you remember the All Star game when Kobe sunned LeBron? He said, "You got to take the last yeah. shot." Yeah. I give it to Kobe, but that's but it's, it's unfair question because it's all it's about body of work. What I will say about Kobe though, where you're, I'm I'm from Sacramento. I went to high school in Sacramento. I was a Kings fan. Yeah. The 2002 series, Game Seven, double overtime, that whole thing. Could talk about that for 45 minutes and probably start crying. Uh, Kobe earned my respect because he did what Steph Curry does, which is take the air out of the opponent. He makes, Steph does something that Jordan, I ha, I didn't see Jordan do on a consistent basis. Which is what? Completely deflate the other team. Oh, you Com- need to do your motherfucking homework. Give me a series. Let me Give, give you me a, a series. Se- give me the series to watch. The, the, um, you're thinking 1992. Any of the times they played the Knicks. The Pat Knicks. Riley's Knicks. Yeah. Craig Elo, the shot. Bill Russell, the uh the last game, uh uh hand in the air to win his sixth championship. Yeah. The flu- Brian, Byron Russell. Byron Russell, yeah. the flu game. Like, come on, dude. There's a lot of flu games in the in the in the modern era, though. There's a lot of people yeah, saying, lot of, and, and today, Dame, and today Dames got separated. Yeah, reds. there's a lot of bitches today. <laughs> they don't play all, can't play all 82 games. Need rest. In the 90s era, you got no rest. So you got Jordan um above all. Who, if you had to pick somebody who has a chance to even rival him in your mind, who would you give it Co- to? It was Kobe. It's Kobe. Kobe was the closest thing. Put it like this. Think of it like a gumbo recipe or a chili recipe, right? One is great. The other one is great. But one got that. Je ne mm. sais quoi. The other one's missing something. Don't know what it is. It's one thing away from being that's on point. And Kobe's chili was bananas. But Mike had that motherfucking mwah, nigga. Listen, I tell people all the time who like to bring up, well, Michael Jordan got uh, uh, bounced out of the first round on so many occasions. Seven times. Seven times. Look, you even know the record. But LeBron's going to the finals this many times and never gotten bounced out of the first. Okay, well, Michael finished 6-0 in the finals. Never saw a game seven. LeBron is 3-6. and six. Now, what would you rather have? And I'm asking you as a dude, would you rather have a big dick that works sometimes or an average dick that works all the time? Give yeah. me the six and zero. Oh. Yeah, I give you the six and zero. Oh. You got the six and zero. Oh. That will hands down win every argument. No one really has a leg to stand on. But I will say this, uh, controversial or not, after the series that I saw with Steph, I take Steph on my. If we're doing a draft right now, right. and they were taking players in their primes, I might pick Steph over Kobe. You're crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but I see magic when I watch him play, man. And I'm a, I'm a Steph. I'm, I, I didn't like it. I, I root against the Warriors. I was Team LeBron on all the finals when Kyrie went down. When, when what's his name, Matthew Dellavedova was my only hope. I put all my faith in that guy and Co and, and LeBron because they were going to give us give us six games. But what I saw this season and what I saw with with him, like kind of like putting his ego aside. Steph. Yeah, to make room for KD. Steph won back-to-back MVPs, am I right? So it's the Steve he's he's in rarefied air with Steve Nash in that on that statistic. But you, oh, okay. my, so my my point is that 
what he did by letting someone like KD onto the roster and to not make ruffle any feathers, not to have any ego about it, to give him the forum, the platform to dominate and to take a step back and have MVP finals and all that success. And then when he goes down to not skip a beat and to come out with a triple double, undersized triple double. Hold up. And then the percentages are what always are going to get me. KD had to humble himself too. Because he wanted a championship. But he didn't. No, but he did. Because if he was cocky, he'd go, you know what? I'm going to still stay in OKC where I'm really the big dog and do it with Russell. He went, I need a goddamn ring. True. So let me humble myself and go to Steph's house True. and do what we got to do. Yeah. So come on, man. That's, that's, even, that's even kill. Uh, who you like more, KD or LeBron? Oh, I think LeBron's better than KD. Okay. Um, listen, I'm, I, I like LeBron. I do. But, and again, I'm not biased. I, I, I grew up watching MJ play from beginning to end. I watched Kobe play from beginning to end. I'm watching LeBron play from beginning to what will eventually be the end. I've, I, I can make a fair assessment. Yeah. I've seen it. Does LeBron win another title? I don't know, man. Un- unless, unless the Lakers get KD or Kawhi. He's not coming. If he if if Le, if you pair LeBron up with one of them, I th- I give him a shot at a championship. Anything shy of Kawhi and KD, nah. nah. I'm gonna I'm gonna segue beautiful for you. Okay, we're talking about the LeBron James of basketball, the Michael Jordan of basketball. Let's talk about the LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant of TV. Yeah, who's your Mount Rushmore television, prestige TV or comedy or whatever you like? What's on your what's TV on shows? TV shows. Um. The Sopranos, Sex in the City. Whoa. Yeah, diehard fan. Okay. I own the complete season, all six seasons, pink velvet DVD case. That because of your significant other? It was like a bonding thing? No, or? no. I, the writing is good, and them hoes get down, dog. Yeah, writing That's is good. That's a good show. Yeah. Uh, and listen, man, I, I, I kind of fancy myself on knowing how to deal with the bitches. So, you know, you pick up tips and shit when you watch shit like that. Most men won't, which is something I mentioned. And please give, forgive me for my shameful, shameless, whatever it's called, plug. But since I'm on the topic, uh, make sure y'all check out. Is this my camera? Is this on or no? It's not, not on. Oh, okay. Uh, the Pussy Podcast, episode 27 of the Spears and Steinberg Podcast, available on Spotify, Spearsburg.com, uh, uh, iTunes, Apple and uh, Google Play uh, because I talk about this and like dreams people are afraid to do certain shit men are afraid to get in touch with their own femininity to get in touch with what women really like and when you watch a show like Sex in the City it educates you so Sopranos Sex in the City Real Time with Bill Maher um, oh shit and Power Power? I've never power. even heard of Power what is oh, Power? on Stars Ghost. How you gonna go from HBO, HBO, HBO stars? Well, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. What is what is power? Give me give me a thirty second log line on power. Uh, It's a story about a uh, a street guy hustler named Ghost St. Patrick who's trying to become clean and leave the street world behind and live a legitimate life, but because of his ties to the underworld, he can't quite do that. So it's about the drug game and the hustle game in New York City. The Wire. This, I'm gonna get bla- I'm, people gonna say this is a blasphemous. The wire was cool to me. I didn't. It wasn't the rave to me that everybody goes nuts for. And here's another one I think is overrated that I wish someone would fucking explain to me. Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones. So what? Wow. <laughs> so uh, Game of Thrones just had its series. Finale. Game of Thrones to me is the minute bowl of shows. No. It's a, it's way up there. You, how, like, how can I, you not I, I, see it? You I, love The Sopranos. I, no, but well, wait a minute. I, I can't get it. First of all, again, I'm from New York, yeah. which means I know Italians. Okay. New York is heavily one of the... When I do stand-up, sometimes when I do my Italian bits in the Midwest, in the Deep South, it don't translate, translate like it translates up and down the East Coast. There's a lot of Italians in New York. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up around them. Um, and, you know, I'm a dude. Yeah. So anything mafia, 
That's one of our go-tos. Fucking Goodfellas, Casino, uh, 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 fucking, what's the movie? Godfather. With? Godfather, fucking Donnie Brasco. We live for that. Donnie we Brasco's awesome. Donnie Brasco's um, so underrated, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, and you know what else is underrated? Black Mask. It didn't get the what it should have got. Johnny Depp, uh, f- f- Bolger. Freddie oh, Frank yeah. Bolger. I forget what his name is. Uh, Sonny Bolger. Uh, something Bolger. Yeah. Whitey Bolger. Whitey Bolger. So, yeah, man. Um, I never saw that. Fucking Johnny Depp deserved an Oscar. Really? Yeah. Oh, he was, the movie's great. He He's was, awesome. He killed it. You know, he killed it in Blow. A lot of people hate on Blow. I have to see Blow again. I got no problems with Blow, and I watched it recently, and it aged well. I just, listen, with Game of Thrones, the costumes and the period piece and the dragons and the hiddeth, beeth, hiddeth, and the hiddeth. You lose me. And when people go, yo, it takes about three seasons for you to get hooked. No. No, I I, I tried to muscle through season one, and it was killing me. Sopranos get you from the door. When did the Sopranos get you, and when did you first watch it? When did you see the pilot? Well, here's the thing. When it first came on, I think about a week into it, I I didn't pay it any mind. But then my boys kept going, yo— this fucking show. So season one. Season one. But I, I probably was three weeks late Back to the party. Back in 99, yeah. Yeah. But once I, f- I started watching it, first of all, even before Sopranos, James Gandolfini was a monster character actor. A pit bull of an actor. Yeah. So he was so fucking good. And then you throw in everybody else. And, you know, again, that Italian shit, that bravado, the manicot, the... You know, the, 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 you know, the Capicola, all that shit. I know it all. Is there so, any similarity in the culture? Like, did you... Did, absolutely. Did, did, I, I, did, I, I did a joke. What's the relatability? I did a joke. Because I'm an Indian... My parents right. are Indian immigrants, and the thing that I love the most about the show is not the mafia stuff, but the family right. stuff. The way right. that moms interact with sons and the way that fathers interact with sons. Yeah. So where did the, the show grab its claws into you? First of all... um, Historically, uh, when you follow the bloodline and the blood trail, Sicilians are like, Sicilians are damn the niggas anyway. You know, we, black people, Italians, big noses, leather jackets, gold chains, and Cadillacs, nigga. We, we, we do that. The way we raise our kids, the way we talk to our spouses, you know, most pure Anglo-Saxon, uh, purebred cocaine white people, and by I'm doing purest cocaine, Real white people. They don't really physically discipline their kids. A lot of timeouts, a lot of negotiations, a lot of begging, please don't, oh, a lot of deal making. Niggas and Italians, we get the kids the belt. You know, you, you hear Italian guys say to their kids, like an Italian father, let me ask you this. Let me, this is some Italian shit. Because blacks and Italians both have ebonics. Yeah. Black people, we got something where we say, uh, I ain't. You know what that means? I ain't. I ain't. Man, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. I ain't. Yeah. Italians got both these. Hey, knock it off, the both these. Italian dad talking to his two sons, getting on his nerves. Yeah. Hey, knock it the fuck off, the both these. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't say the H on health. How's your health? Health. Health. Yeah. Hey, when you going down to Florida. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, blacks and niggas have, we got, Italians and niggas have swagger, man. They sweeten up the language. We sweeten up everything. Yeah. You know, uh, like I said, of all the different brands of white, Italians have the most flavor. You know, they eat like us. They, we probably got between the two of us the highest percentage and high cholesterol and, and fat content. All that cheese and fried shit. You know, we get down, man. So you got into the show season one. Uh, you were like, you're you're an OG watcher. I picked it up three in the third year. I learned about it when I was uh, when it was in season three. I went to my cousins in New Jersey, saw it, watched it, and then I went back and watched from the beginning and caught up again. Yeah. Um, what What was your wow moment? Like, what about the show was like, man, this is my show. For me, it was the interaction between him and his therapist. I, I devour that shit. I, what Still. I, what I devour is any interaction between Gandolfini and Edie Falco. Okay. Some of the most powerful acting. The White Caps episode. The finale. Where she tells him about Furio. Yeah. Uh, the one that we said we were going to mention today, Army of One. Army of One. When him and her are talking about sending AJ 
to uh, military school. We're looking at those brochures. He thinks the world owes him a living. And where did he get that idea? Yeah. Like, it, that reminds me of every black couple growing up. Is that how your parents thought? Yes. My, my, my parents, was you know, they had flavor when they did anything. Everything they did, they did it with flavor. Were you more like AJ? Were you more like Ed Meadow growing up? No, I wasn't. In, I wasn't like none of them. Uh, um, AJ was a, was a quiet-to-himself guy. Yeah. Um, when it was time for me to want spotlight, I took spotlight. Okay. Um, and as far as being mature and smart like Meadow, not at all. In that episode, uh, Ray Ray, Michael K. Williams, Omar from The Wire. Yeah. Uh, he sold them out, right? Did he sell out they never, Jackie? They, they never, they never, they never say, established but like, that. Do you have a theory on that? How do they know so perfectly pinpoint accuracy in an era when there's no cell phones and there's no GPS and there's no Well, there was cell jack. phones. There were cell phones. There were cell phones. Not smartphones. You know, no smartphones. There you right. go. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah. The look in Michael K. Williams' eyes and Ray Ray's eyes is like, I sold you out. Like, I they, didn't get that. That's a theory that I, I have. I, I, I didn't don't get that. that. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it would have been interesting enough if they would have said that because by leaving that blank, you're left to assumption. Subject to interpretation. Yeah. Um, the chess game. I always say in the podcast that Tony's playing chess with everybody, not that's checkers. Another, that's another thing that I love about the show that grabs me. And, and I don't want to blow this out of sound ridiculous, but I think because a mob boss has to make smart, calculated, chess-like decisions, that's almost a metaphor for being successful in life. Yeah. You have to make chess-like moves. Sure. A lot of motherfuckers is checker players. They're not chess players. Thank you. Most people play checkers because they simply don't have what it takes mentally, discipline-wise, to make calculated moves. Yeah. Um, What is chess? Chess is anticipating what... You're my opponent. Right. It's me anticipating what you're going to do three moves from now. Exactly. When they would say, hey, man, Magic Johnson could see the, the floor and could tell four plays ahead of time what was about to happen. MJ, Larry Bird, Magic, chess players. LeBron and Steph Curry. Chess players. Everybody ain't a chess player. Yeah. J.R. Smith plays checkers, man. Yeah. You saw what he did. <laughs> so, so, and, and I, and I gravitate towards. But he got the ring. <laughs> yeah, he got it. No, listen, listen, if you, hey, if, man, you, you ride with, you ride with LeBron, you ride I, behind I, the. We, I don't want to get off topic. We're yeah. going to get back on the Sopranos. But let me just say this. Cause I know there's a lot of other dudes going back to basketball for a second who go, well, if it's about rings, Robert Ory is better than Michael Jordan because he's got seven. Yeah. And I go, look, there's a difference between being the reason you win and winning for a reason. MJ, LeBron, Steph, Bird, Magic, Hakeem, Shaq, they were the reasons their teams won rings. They're the franchise. Yeah. Robert Ory, right place, right time. He won for a reason. Yeah. So seven, yeah, but motherfucker, you wasn't the reason. You were there at the right place, right time. You won for a reason. Now back to the Sopranos. I think every dude wants to believe he sees himself in Tony. You got to parts gotta, of him. Parts of him. You got to you got to make moves, man. You know, if you always act off your first instinct, which at times your first instinct could be good, but it also could be bad if you lead him with emotion. Um. I love how calculated he was. And when he had to be cold, he was a cold motherfucker. You know, um, what, yeah. I, what I really love, and now you got me on a tangent here, um, going back to the Italian black thing, Tony is a man. And when you watch that show, we live in an era now where being a man, just being a man is damn near crime. Men aren't allowed to be men. We talk a certain way. I'm not saying every man is, hey, grab the pussy locker room, but we talk a certain way. Honesty. Sometimes it's brutal. Um, And I believe that uh, I'm not saying a woman can't be equal to a man in some things, but a man leads the way. A man is the king of his castle. And Tony, when you watched him, like when you watch a lot of Italian mobster movies, they make you feel, yeah, that's what men are. That's what men should do. And a woman plays her role. It always bothered me when you watch television sitcoms, especially from the 80s on, where they made dudes seem dumb. The stereotype was, I'm a dude, I can't do nothing without the help of my wife and my woman. I can't tie my shoes. And the stereotype that men are babbling idiots. When, With all due respect, ladies, it's really the other way around. When it comes to temperament, 
making sense in the heat of an argument, a moment. Women throw temper tantrums when they don't get their way. They babble and become nonsensical during a fight. Chris Rock used to say, women ain't going to let a little thing like sense stop them from winning an argument. We apply sense and logic to where women don't. When women get upset, they throw temper tantrums like toddlers. And they ain't always the sharpest tool in the shed. And the Sopranos, Tony made you feel like, God damn it, I'm a man. When his daughter said, mm, listen to Mr. My Boss, what did you say to me? And he approached her with that. I was scared through my goddamn TV. You know, yeah. uh, and when and when he when he said, what did you say to me? And Carmela goes, Tony. And he goes, shut up. Yeah, he told her to shut up. Well, one thing I will say though about what you said, I, you have you have some good points in there. One of the things that David Chase did, and this was a show that was ahead of its time, it still is. He was very feminist in the sense that Carmela was a formidable foe to Tony Soprano. She could level mm-hmm. him. She could really mess with him. And I like that they did that. I like the choice of yeah, you have this super powerful alpha, but um, Melfi says it in one of the episodes earlier in this season three. You'll never leave your wife she may leave, leave you she may leave you right but you'll never leave your wife and despite what you may are what you are and what you may say you're a very conventional man right. he's smart tony soprano is a man but he's also super smart because he married one of the smartest things a guy can do right. is marry the right person and he married the right person for his life well she plays the game she knows how everything works she understands her spots and she picks her battles but She's responsible, in my mind, for a lot of his success, if well, that listen, makes sense. Behind every great man there you go. is Abigail a greater Adams. woman. Yeah. But a, a, a part of what makes a woman really great is to know when to fall back and let her man be a man and take the lead. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that we as a society have gotten so into, well, political correctness and women need to stand up. I am woman, hear me roar and all that. Prove yourself as a woman bullshit. And again, I'm not saying women shouldn't have equality or shouldn't be allowed to, you know, compete in a man's world. But God damn it, there's a reason why Technically, if I wanted to, I could body slam you to the ground and you couldn't do it to me. You know, let 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 a man be a lion. Let a man be what he is, a fucking king. Patrice O'Neill, one of the greatest comedians of all time, once said, do you know what the queen is to a king? The queen is the king's bitch. As royal... Not as, on the chessboard, though. Not on the chessboard. <laughs> but in life, no matter how... And she's still royalty. No matter how royalty she is, he's above her. You got to kill the king. You, but you no, know, you ain't got to kill the king. You please don't. You want to kill a king? Take him to divorce. I know twice. No, what I'm saying on the chessboard. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just saying in life. Yeah. You know, Carmela knew when to let Tony be Tony. Sure, absolutely. You know what I mean? She played. She was equally good at playing the dumb. Uh, like, oh, oh, woe is, like, how could this happen? When with Jackie, she believes it was a drug thing. Right. She believes that, but then she's equally smart enough to know that when Tony's going to be home late, he's not working. Right, you know, she could play. And she knows what's up. She knows again, what's up. Again, again, this again. If y'all think I'm bullshitting, I'm a soprano aficionado. Every time, now you've pulled the fucking string. Now here we go again. What to my point? Great line in the episode where um, Tony was hanging out with his dad's mistress, who used to fuck with Kennedy. Yeah, and she goes, "The most, the, the best thing a woman can do when dealing with a powerful man." is to make him feel powerful. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so, you know, you don't think Coretta Scott King, she knew about Martin's side pussy. Yeah. You know, but hey, she she hung in there, you know, and history was made. Well, they use Hillary Clinton as an example in the show. You know, uh, right. Carmela and her friends are at dinner, right. and they're talking about how Hillary put up with all the bullshit and did whatever she did, and she set up her own thing. Yeah, you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting uh, stuff going on there. I love that your uh, connection to the show, though, is the dynamic between Tony and Melfi or Tony and Carmela, because it, the uh, Whitecaps is my favorite episode. Right, probably my, one of my favorite dialogues and exchanges. Oh and, my god, that, no, it's it, not it's, TV, man. It's above. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a you, level. You you literally feel. And listen, okay, look, you know that you know the expression "fly on the wall." Yes, that's the, that's the that's the classic. Def, if you look up that definition, right. that's what it would be. If you could be in that room when that's happening, right. uh, c- cut the tension with a knife. Right, um, amazing stuff. Listen, no man we all know 
yeah. should ever put his hands on a woman. Of course. Never. Under any circumstance. And Tony didn't in that scene. He didn't. Yeah. But he did what we all have wanted to do or have done. I'm thinking Chris Rock. I got some dents in my crib. But do you know Do you know my Chris Rock? Yes, what? yes. I, I never hit a woman. Uh, but I understand. No, but I shake the shit, shit out, out of one. <laughs> yeah, but, but even, even when he goes, uh, there's a reason to hit everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't do it. Hey, um, where does Chris Rock rank for you? I think Chris, I understand Chris's brilliance, his genius. Yeah. Personally, he just doesn't make me laugh. That's not to say I don't think he's funny. Really? He, I, I, I recognize yeah. the beauty of it. That's game like recognize make, game. Yeah, it's like I could walk in wherever the fucking 16th, 60th, whatever, how they pronounce it, chapel. Yeah, 16. 16. Whatever that, wherever that is, if I go into that building and look up, I go, oh, man. You're going to respect. This is great. Yeah. Uh, like time for me to go. And I'm going on a tangent because we're just shooting the shit here. We're going to yeah. loosely come back to The Sopranos. Uh, who are the new comics that you're into? Like the the new talent, I don't, I don't really the new ha- breed. I don't I don't really have a new breed. I love Dave Chappelle. I think he's the number one master okay. of comedy. Okay. Um, Patrice O'Neill, God rest his soul, was a complete animal. Um, uh, Bill Burr is a fucking monster. Do you watch your contemporaries? Do yeah, you watch everybody. Yeah, do you yeah, watch you all have, the yeah. Do you watch all the Netflix specials? I don't watch them all. I watch who I like. Okay. Because uh, it's like watching game tape. Yeah. You know. Uh, Research. Yeah, man. You got to see who does what and what angles and their thought process. And you have any you thoughts know? on Louis C.K.? Again, uh, I recognize the genius. Okay. But he doesn't do it for me. He's not for you. Nah, not for me. Okay. Yeah. What about this Indian breed? This Hassan Minaj and Aziz Ansari. Do they make you laugh? My man is Russell Peters. Russell Peters? I love Russell Peters. Okay. I, I didn't mean to exclude him. So <laughs> Ru- Russell Peters turns out a crowd, man. I yeah, have, man. I have older cousins that go see him, and they're like, it's like a, it's like baseball, well, not baseball stadiums, but it's like arenas. Yeah, for a guy that doesn't have a movie career or a television yeah. career, that's astounding. Wh- where does that come from? Well, you know, he does have a niche. You yeah. Know, um, What's his niche? Indians. Oh. You know, Indians and Asians. Maybe not me. <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, you know, I'm an Aziz guy. Yeah, like, but, well, I mean, he's still Indian. Yeah, you know, but yeah. but but there there that's his lane. That's a lane. Yeah, you know, Ron White and you know, get her done. That that group. That's a lane. Right. So everybody has a lane. Okay. You know. So who makes you laugh today? You said Bill Burr. Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. I still gorge on um, Patrice O'Neill shit. You know? Okay. Um, um, yeah. Weaving back to The Sopranos, in terms of the episode that we're recording tonight is the finale of season three. Not a really loved finale. Uh, what was your favorite season finale and why? Um, and if this one was, tell me why. Sell me on it. I, you know, probably Whitecaps, man. Okay. Because, that, that, again, that, 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 that back and forth was... Was 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 huge, man. I go back and forth between that one and the season five finale when he runs away from the feds. Right. Johnny Sack. Yeah. And the Van Morrison song comes on and right. Tony literally escapes by the skin of his teeth. Right. Um, it's just so powerful. You I'll know? tell you the episode that didn't do it for me, that, that did it for a lot of people, uh, the Russian in the snow. Oh, Pine Barrens. It was cool, but it didn't do it for me. Like most people thought that was so... Um, the episode that frustrated me the most was when Dr. Melfi didn't tell Tony the guy raped her. Oh, employee of the month. Man, oh, yeah, I went yeah, off on we that. We all wanted to see Tony yeah. take his fucking head off. You know, there was a version where that actually did happen. Really? Yeah. I would have loved to see and it. And the choice. I had uh, Robin Green on the podcast. She's uh, one of, was one of the executive producers on the show. Yeah. And there was a universe where that would have gone down. But uh, David Chase doesn't like happy endings. He doesn't like things to be neatly wrapped up in bows, which is everybody well, kind of knows. if he shot the motherfucker point blank in the face, that wouldn't have been a happy ending yeah. it would have been a satisfying as a fan ending it would have been yeah and that's <laughs> that, that's where the game of thrones and kind of tie-in comes in this game of game of thrones doesn't wrap up everything nicely for you it takes a yeah. page out of david chase's book right. and that that's the connection for me to those two shows that's why i urge you to give it another go forget about the fucking dragons for a <sighs> minute man it's about people being people and it's about people wanting power and the things they'll do to get that power can't they do all that in the 21st century yeah, well, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking capes and long gowns and shit. Uh, what is your take on the ending, on the finale? The series yeah, finale? Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm with everybody else. It was a what the fuck moment. Is Tony dead? Nah. No? Nah. He's your boy. He lives? Yeah. And, and let me ask you, had the choices been, had they made one, Yeah. Tony dead or goes to jail, if you had to pick, 
Which would you have rather seen? Dead. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to see he, that. He wouldn't. Oh, well, they wouldn't have shown it. It would have been too classy to show it because you got two attempts on his life. You got the right. junior shooting him, right. and then you got the two hitmen that try to take him out in season one and Isabella. Yeah, with the orange juice. So we know yeah. we know what a Tony Soprano murder scene potentially looks like. Right. We got two glimpses of it. Right. I I would just rather him not have to be in jail and be reduced to being a prisoner, because um, he's like you said, he's a man. Yeah. And he's you know. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him have to lower himself. Right. And jail, prison can obviously. I'm not. A, never been to prison. I don't know a right. fucking thing about prison. But I'm assuming that he would be reduced. And right. and, and I don't want to see. Who wants to see that? Right. Um, who is your favorite character not named Tony Soprano? <laughs> oh, favorite. Someone that you not. Someone that you Tony. resonate with. Someone that you like. Someone that you love to hate. Jesus, oh, that's a good fucking question. Um, Christopher. Thanks, me too. Yeah. Um, I had him in that seat, man. But let me ask you a surreal. question. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think was the biggest prick between the two, and who would you fear the most, Ralph Cifaretto or Richie Aprile? Uh, Richie all day. Richie's yeah. old school. Yeah. Richie's old school. Ralphie's not a fighter. Ralphie's not a tough guy. Ralphie's a, Ralphie's a chess player. Yeah. Ralphie's an earner, yeah. but Richie's old school. Right. And Richie in his prime, he'd be stutter-stepping all over his ass. One of the funniest lines in that episode we talked about, he goes, uh, you're late. Well, I'll be on time tomorrow, but you'll be stupid forever. Yeah. One of the, that's, that's one of the greatest. Yeah. And that's, they had great jokes, too, that weren't, well, they were intentionally meant to be funny, but not intentionally meant so to be what funny. What I was going to ask you, you're a professional comic. A lot of people consider that show to be a comedy. Like you, no. You, no? You, no. You, you, don't, you don't fall out of your chair laughing no. at the lines? Listen, you do because, again, it stays true to what some of that Italian shit is. Yeah. You know, some of those guys pride themselves on being scholars when they're no, no, nothing like. Right. Fucking Pauli Gaultieri. Uh, Son to zoo. Yeah. It's Sun Tzu. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, revenge is the best dish served with cold cuts. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, one of my favorite moments, which again, it because it captured, you knew exactly when he said it, what he was feeling and what he meant. Uh, sometimes what we do in here, it's like taking a shit. I like to think of it more like childbirth. No, trust me. It's like taking a shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. goodness. Come on, man. How do you feel about the prequel that's coming out? The movie? Yeah. Um... I might be able to be into it only because I do know that that's Gandolfini's son. Now, whether he can deliver it like him, that's that's the mystery. But you know it's also Chase, right? He's the guy behind the... Yeah. He's driving the bus. Yeah, yeah. That's what gives me faith in it. Well, you know, um, even though, you know, it's his son, again, I'm still, you know, it's Gandolfini. It's Tony Soprano. Yeah. I, you fill in those shoes. Could they, I don't think they could have done it any other way, though. They, they couldn't they, have. This is a total universe kind of on their side thing. Like a, casting a, right. a no-name or casting like a random actor to do it, it would have been, I think viewers, especially like really scrutinizing like fans, they would have found ways to like find fault with it. Right. Like you talked about earlier, the haters. Right. You can't really hate this. It's like a hate, it's like a hate-free zone. It, it would have been interesting to see had, had Gandolfini not died would they have tried to do a movie with him alive? Um, because, you know, like they did that with Sex and the City and they were successful. Um, so I wonder if that audience would have translated to the big screen, if that would have translated to the big screen. Did Sex and the City make you laugh? Or did you like oh, it because, absolutely. because you were a fly on no, the wall no, to that no, world? No, 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 no. It, it, it was good writing. Okay. Just flat have out you, good writing. Have you rewatched it? Oh, I watch, I watch it all the time. Does it, has it aged well? Yeah, because it's what's going on is always going to be universal, you know. No matter what your age, no matter what your gender, it's love and sex. That's always going to be relatable. That's never going to go out of style, you know. As long as people can get laid, that's going to always be in, you know. Those jokes don't change. Yeah, yeah. Wrapping things up in a few minutes. What season or what part of the show are you watching on The Sopranos right now? Like, how do you how do you dip into your Sopranos diet? Uh, just whatever my mood is. Whatever your mood well, is. I, I, listen, man, the only the only episodes I'd never liked of The Sopranos were the dream sequences. And there was only about three or four of those. 
So Kevin Finnerty, you weren't a fan of Kevin Finnerty. Nah, nah, no? nah. So, um, and I know the show so much. If I go, you know what? I'm in a Ralph Cifaretto mood. I'm in a Richie April mood. I'm in a, I'm in a when Tony was 30 pounds heavier mood. You know, I know, I know where to go. I know where to go. Who is your favorite? Uh, who, who, who do you think would win cage fight, Ralphie or Richie? I gotta agree with you about uh, Richie. Okay. Because he, because he was such a, he was such a fucking animal. You know, well, well, this is a testament to how great Gandolfini was as an actor. It was weird to hear him talk when he would win an award. Yeah. And he wasn't sounding like Tony. Like so, he that was an accent, and I would go. That ain't what James Gandolfini sound like. Right. Because in your mind, he's supposed to sound like Tony Soprano. Um, so I always thought that was weird, man. But he was that much of an actor, man. How are you on Sopranos trivia? Let's go. All right. I'm going to throw. So we do. One of the things we started doing is Sopranos trivia where listeners call in. And the winner, the champion's circle, they get to come on the pod right. and do a deep dive with me. Yeah. Um, so th- these are hard questions. Okay. But they're based on this specific episode. Okay. So uh, some of it should be fresh in your mind. All right. What does Omar from The Wire, again, Michael K. Williams, I refer to him as Omar. What does Omar from The Wire say to Jackie when he meets him at the door for the first time? Oh, you get that specific. Oh, I get fucking specific, oh, Jesus. Man. Um, I'm gonna have you spell a name backwards. I'm kidding, but you got to give me some sort of a clue. It's just a, to lead me. It's an opening line, right. That you would just know. It's the first thing that Ray Ray says. Welcome. Oh, oh, uh, oh! Um, I helped you too much. Goddamn! You got to get it now. I know it's just. I know. Wait, wait. Jackie walks in. I know. Welcome to the. Um, Starts with a B. Yeah. By the way, a, a, pl- a contestant would have already been out of time by now. Would have. Ah, God. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Booten Holiday Inn. God damn it, yes. And I asked someone that lives there if there actually is a Booten Holiday Inn. There is not. Right. Um, okay. No. Again, these are hard, so don't feel bad. Most people, just so you know, get two or three of these right. Right. The champions, though, are getting between 18 to 20, uh, 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 20 right. questions. Shit. So there's some hardcore fans out there. Right. By the way, I would get a lot of these wrong. I'm, make, I'm the Alex Trebek right. of this, but I make them, like, if I don't know the answer, I make it a right. question right. to make it fun. All right. Okay. Ralphie's at a sit-down with Polly and Silvio. Yes. Talking about what to do with Jackie Jr. Ralph's phone rings. He says it's Tony. But who actually called him? Vito. Okay. Vito Spatafore. What Super Bowl is being discussed numerous times on the radio inside Ray Ray's apartment? They say oh, the number. Shit. That I don't know. Super Bowl 35. Fuck. Do you know who's playing? I don't. Giants and the Ravens. Damn it. Who shot Jackie Jr.? Vito Spatafore. Okay, all right. You'd be surprised how many people get that yeah, wrong. No, no, no. The no. knee jerk reaction. All right. Complete the dialogue. I've been dreaming. Are that low main all the way over here. <laughs> now, who came here and ate my shit? Yeah. Okay, who said it? Tony. Okay. What does AJ say that makes Tony slap him after he gets expelled from Sucks school? Sucks to be you. Yeah. Hope my son never says that to me, God. <laughs> Knock on wood. Who tells Meadow that Jackie was shot? A- AJ. Okay. Yeah. Doing really well. The officer interviewing AJ at the military school. Hard question. Uh, the officer interviewing AJ at the military school had a prominent object on his desk in between the two of them when he's talking. What's the prominent object? If you see it, if you saw it. Cigarette lighter? Grenade. God damn it. Uh, that's a hard one. Right. Um, what did General MacArthur say in his farewell address at the point? Shit, I don't know. The core, the core, the core. The core. God damn it. Uh, a couple more. The sit down with Ralphie and Paulie over the 50K. Yeah. How much did Ralphie have to pay in the end? Tony gives a verdict. 25K. 12. Damn it, was it 12? It was 12, yeah. Tony, Paulie got fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it shows you right then and there that Tony values earners. And right. Ralphie just handed him a check for, or handed him 300K in cash yeah, 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 a few yeah. scenes earlier. Yeah. Uh, I'll be impressed if you get this, but I wouldn't have gotten it. What is Silvio's middle name? Dante. That's Silvio la- Dante. That's his last name. Oh. His middle name is said by the FBI guy as he's handcuffing him. Shit, what is it? Silvio Manford Dante. Damn it. Uh, last... Yeah, see, y'all, y'all deep with it, we're deep, deep with it. No, we're deep, man. This, we look if, at... this, if this was a Marvel's 
thing. I, these are the type of people who go to the theater dressed as the characters. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for real. Yeah, I'm deep in it, but damn. For real. Right. No, no, listen. Um, it keeps it fun, man. It keeps the show alive. Yeah. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people get them right, which right. is why I keep going harder. Yeah. You know, because people get right, them right. Right, right, right. Um, how many inches of water did Jackie Jr. almost drown in, according to Jr.? Oh, shit. It's a great line. Yeah. Fucking two inches? Yeah, you're one inch off, three inches. Damn it. Um, this has been a lot of fun, man. Well, thank you, brother. Thanks I, for yeah, coming in. And then listen, anytime y'all need me to, to, to come back, we're going to do like Batman. Just put the Rigatoni symbol in the air. You and, got and, it, and, I, and I'll and I'll be here. Um, what's what's on your plate? Where like where are you where are you doing shows? Where can listeners uh, find out more about you? Find out more about where you're at? Um, you know what? My website AriSpears.com, has all my um, stand up road dates on it. I'm going to be in Orlando, Florida at the Improv this weekend, uh, Friday through Sunday. Next week I'll be in uh, after that San Jose at the Improv Thursday through Sunday. And again, uh, my podcast. It's called Spears and Steinberg, a.k.a. The Jew and the Jerk. Uh, and it's available. It's with my uh, stand-up feature, Andy Steinberg, the two of us. And it's available through Spotify, Spearsburg.com, Apple iTunes, um, Google Play, and all those podcast All the outlets. places that people find all their podcasts. The, all the places. And also follow me, please, on uh, Instagram at Aries Spears. Uh, YouTube, Aries Spears. Hit the subscribe button. If you want any personalized cameo, my cameo shout out to give you a personalized, hey, happy birthday, and one of my impressions, whatever, uh, go to my cameo and uh, pay the fee, and I'll give you a personalized shout out there. That's a new app, right? Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. That, is that taken off quite a bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I put iced tea and cocoa on. And uh, listen, man, I charge, and I thought I was, you know, going hard. I charged 70 bucks a cameo. Yeah. Iced tea was charging 100 and he recently went up to 300 Wow. So uh, some guys can do it like that, you know? Very cool. Aries, thanks again, man. It's been a lot of fun. Forget about it. <laughs>